Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. If you've listened to the show for very long, you probably know that Gary Paulson was my favorite author as a child. When Mrs. Collins, my fourth grade teacher, read it aloud to our class, I was captivated. I was forever changed. A seed was planted in me as a reader that I'm so thankful bloomed into a career as a teacher and a life as a reader. Uh, I had the opportunity to talk to Gary for this show about a year and a half ago. It was amazing. One of the great moments of my professional life. And I'm so thankful that I got a chance to do that before he passed away um, in the fall of 2021. And when I was done talking with Gary uh, and we stopped recording and Gary hung up the phone, I got an opportunity to talk with his longtime agent, Jennifer Flannery, for for quite a while. And we shared a just a tremendous amount of love and respect for Gary and his work. And a, we talked about his readers. It was just an amazing conversation. And when Gary passed away, I wanted to talk to her more than anyone else. I just wanted to talk to her. And I'm so thankful that she took a few minutes out of her day to chat with me about her career, about how she became Gary's agent, and about his new book, Northwind. I think you're going to love this conversation. I loved having it. I love listening back to it. I think it's um, hopefully uh, a nice addition to the other two episodes we did about Gary and his books. So without further ado, my conversation with agent Jennifer Flannery. Jennifer, can you tell me how you got into this world of book publishing? It was the happiest of accidents. I was raised in a, a, a family that, you know, I, we could never dream of being involved with books. Um, I was an English and journalism major in college and um, really didn't know what I was going to do with those skills. And I was going out to breakfast with a friend of mine who said, I'm running by the loft in Minneapolis, which is a big writer center, to sign up for a class. Would you come with me? And I said, sure. And while she was signing up, I saw on the, the bulletin board um, a literary agency in town that was looking for interns. So I ripped the piece of paper off with the phone number and I put it in my pocket. And I thought, oh, well, I'll get in touch right away. Three weeks later, I pulled those jeans on again, found the piece of paper and thought, oh, that's right. I was going to do that. So I sat down. I wrote a letter. I sent it in. Two days later, I got a phone call back saying, oh, the timing was so fortuitous why, if you had contacted us three weeks ago, we wouldn't have had anything for you, but we all of a sudden have this space. Could you come in and interview? So it was, it was just a joy from the start. And so what was the next step? I um, was hired as an unpaid intern at a literary agency in Minneapolis, and they hired me for a paid position after the first day. They were a small agency that was growing very quickly. And um, they said, you know, we will, if you will, we have need. So you kind of have to figure it out. So I was hired as, uh, as a receptionist. I was just, I was the office gut puppy, which everybody in publishing knows is the best route to learning anything and everything. Um, answering phones, opening mails, 
making coffee runs, picking up lunch, you know, whatever needed to be done. I, I did it and I got a really good vantage point of how a literary agency worked. So you are hired at this literary agency. And how does that lead to you meeting Gary Paulson? He was one of the clients of the agency at the time. And this is, I'm, I'm dating myself, but this is way back before email. So if you wanted to get in touch with somebody, you picked up the phone and called. And I answered the phone every day. And Gary called every day. Uh, <laughs> should come as no surprise to anybody who knows Gary Paulson's books that he has always been prolific. He's always had, you know, any number of books in various stages of publication. So he, he was calling my boss all the time. And I was, I was the first on the phone and um, I didn't really know who he was or, you know, there were, there were a lot of clients. So I was trying to figure out what was happening, but I've been talking to him every day. And um, one day, as I was opening the mail, um, a galley of his came in, and I thought, "Oh, well, I should, I should read this, and then, you know, we'll have something to talk about. I can, you know, I can, I, I can talk to him about his book." And um, and I and I read it, and um, <clears throat> books really do change lives because that one changed mine. It was the galley for Woodsong. I was reading it and I I've just never I've just never known joy like that before. Um, and I was you know, I thought, oh he writes kids' books, so you know, I was a kid once, I'll have something to talk about. But <laughs> reading, reading that book about his love for the dogs and, and I'll and I'll tell you too, it was the the storm chapter. The, the chapter with Storm and his stick that just, I, I just fell in love with the, the writing, the writer, the stories that he told. And so when he called later that day, instead of, hi, Mr. Paulson, it was like, Gary! All the young started to read all of his other books um you know I just went to the library and the agency and I read my way through his entire backlist up to date and um and a little while later a manuscript came in the mail this was again when we were sending manuscripts through the mail instead of email attachments and I knew my boss wasn't going to get to it that night so I took it and I read it and um it was the first reader's report I ever wrote in my entire life. It was not my job. Nobody asked me to do it. But again, I was, I was so moved by this book. And it still is one of the all-time thrills of my life to be able to say that I was the first reader of Night mm. John. Mm. And, um, so I wrote the reader's report and I slipped it on the manuscript. I put the manuscript on the pile of my boss's work and I, you know, just went on with my business. I didn't think anything would come of it. And a few days later, Gary called and I said, oh, I'm, you know, Jonathan's on anyway. No, no. <clears throat> I'm calling to talk to you. Mm. And um, so, I, again, you're going to have to edit out the tears. That was my one <laughs> that you would, you would edit out if I cried. Um, he said, no, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, well, you have a head on your shoulders, don't you? 
And I said, <laughs> oh my God, you know. So we talked about the book and just because it was such a departure from anything that he'd done before. And I was just, I could not believe. I just could not believe that such a writer had come into my life. Um, so eventually there came a time when I had read all of his books and I started reading his files and I started putting together information and I became the Paulson detail person at the agency. And um, I still use the Gary Grid that I developed back in 1991. I still <laughs> use um, an iteration of it in tracking all of his sales and licenses and royalty periods and everything. And then eventually you became his agent. I did. I, I was at that agency for a couple of years. And then because I'm real smart, I took a demotion and a pay cut to move to New York. <laughs> uh, they were in Minneapolis and I wanted to, you know, get a, get a, a feel of like, you know, real mm-hmm. publishing and everything. So I went and, um, and I, I, I had a job as a, an editorial assistant in one of the big five publishing houses. And it was a very brief, very unhappy period, I walked right into just a nightmare. And as I was sitting there one day at my at my desk in my cubby thinking, well, I have really done it. I have really messed everything up now. This is horrible. What did I do? Gary called and he said, I'm leaving the other agency and I want you to represent me. And I thought, well, this is, <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible mistake on your part. I'm very flat, but no. I, I'm, you know, I was 26 years old and I, I should still be doing scut puppy duties for a while. And, and I said, you know, thank you, but no. And I, I set him up with some other agents and, and he came to New York and he, he interviewed and, and then um, he said, yeah, I didn't really like them. And I went, oh, well, I, you know, I don't, I'm sorry. And then I got a phone call a couple of days later from a gentleman who was at the time the publisher of what was then Harcourt Brace, Harcourt Brace Ivanovich. That's how far back this goes. Um, and he called and he, he had been courting Gary. He had been wanting to get Gary to publish for him. And he said, look, Gary wants you to represent him. And I, am, I have been charged with the task of convincing you. So let's meet for breakfast. And I was just dying because this is a publisher who wants to have breakfast with me. I mean, I'm an editorial assistant. It, It was just, it was so surreal. It was so, it was so Gary. It was so perfectly Gary esque. So Ruben took me out to breakfast and he said, Jennifer, I am convinced that at some point, an intelligent conversation of 20th century literature will be incomplete without the name of Gary Paulson. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a part of that. And he wants you to be a part of that. And I think we should, I think we should do this. I think that you and I understand his writing and we like him and he likes us and he trusts us. And I think we would be a really good team. So I quit my job and I started working for Gary and uh October of 1992, we had just celebrated our 29th anniversary the week before he died. And I'm so mm-hmm. grateful we, we had such a long time together. It was not long, mm-hmm. nearly long enough, yeah. but most people never get anything like that. And you got a chance to, to travel a lot with Gary. Is that right? 
I did. When I, when I first started working for him, I said, you know, I, I know you think this is a good idea, but I really don't know anything. I don't know enough about the business. I've only been, you know, in publishing for a couple of years. I don't know enough editors. I don't know anything. And he said, listen, you don't need to know about the editors. No offense to any editors who are listening. He said, the, the real thing that you want to do, where, where you really want to learn how to represent people who write books for children and young adults is you want to go to the source. And those are the teachers and the librarians and the booksellers who are on the front line of battle, putting books in the hands of kids. And he said, if you come and travel with me on my, my tours, my book tours, and go to conferences and conventions with me, I'll introduce you to the best teachers and the best librarians and booksellers, and, and then you'll learn all you need to do. So I quick took out every credit card you know, application that I could get, just robbed Peter to pick Paul. <laughs> And I followed him around the country to bookstores and, and school libraries and ALAs and NCTEs and a, they were ABAs back in the day, the, the bookseller conferences. And, and he did. He, he introduced me to the most important people in children's publishing, the teachers and the librarians and the booksellers. What was it like seeing Gary with his readers? You know, it, it was absolutely a, a privilege and it was a joy because he, he really only ever cared about the kids. And all of the um, appearances that he ever went to, you know, they try to structure it so that it's just a time frame. And he said, nope, every kid who comes gets gets we're not going to cut off the line if if they're here i'm going to sign their book and if they don't have a book i'm going to sign a piece of paper and then we eventually got book plates little sticky things so that he could give them a book plate to put in a book later and um it, he always made the time for them and he always would say when we went into schools or libraries, he would, he would pull the teacher or the librarian aside and he would say, is there anybody struggling? Is there anybody who's, who's having a rough go of it? Um, I'd like to see them. I'd like to, to talk to them. And, and he would, he would talk to the kids who were, you know, in trouble, who were at the risk of feeling out because that was who he had been. And he wanted to tell them, if he could do it, they could too. And then it got better. And that there was help uh, that in a way that there hadn't been before. And he would, you know, get the, the counselors and the principals or whoever, he would, he would wrangle them in and say, you know, you're somebody's missed slipping through the crack here and that can't happen. And that was, they, they would ask him questions, you know, when the, when the kids would be in doing the Q&A session, there'd be the typical ones, where do you get your idea? Was Brian real? Blah, blah, blah. But I'll, I'll never forget that there always seemed to be one kid at the end who would say something that was just so personal. And so I, I remember one kid raised his hand and said, what do you do when it gets really bad? Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they, they, they know that he's that he gets this that he's he's going to be a safe place for them and that was I've never seen that before I've never seen that kind of connection um, between a, a reader and a, and a writer before and I'm, I'm so pleased 
I'm so proud. I'm so inspired that Gary's stories of tough hope resonated with generations of kids, that they read his books and they understood that it was about this is how to survive childhood, not just mm. the wilderness. So you're obviously a very humble person and you're probably not going to love this question, but I want to know, why do you think, what do you, why do you think Gary knew that he needed to work with you? Like, what is it? Like why? And it obviously was such a wonderful relationship. So why you? You know, I'm his fourth agent. Um, and, and I, like I said, it's been 29 years. I think, I think it's because he knew that I fell in love with his books, that I, I loved his writing. I loved, he was a wonderful writer and he was a magnificent storyteller. And he would, I was just talking to his son earlier this morning and I was, I was saying, well, you know, those tangents your dad would go off on. <laughs> he called, he was, we were sitting there once in an, in an airport, I think, just waiting for a plane or something. And he said to me out of the blue, we're just, nothing is happening. Look at me. I don't, I don't read like street fighter. And he said, you know, if you ever want to hit somebody and I, I turned and it was like, uh-huh. he said, um, you want to aim two p- feet past their head. And, and I think Gary liked that. I was always willing to listen to whatever story he had to tell because it was, you just never knew to speak with Gary Paulson for any length of time would be to learn how to punch somebody in the face. Um, and really what you want to do, just FYI, is you want to get him on the ground. You want to have steel-toed boots and you want to kick in the in the ribs. That's that's the real thing. The, the hitting in the face is just the first step. He taught me about how plane lift works. I know more about bleeding anuses and dog emesis than any person should know and I think I loved his stories and I think he that's I mean I I hope I'm not stupid I hope that I've done a a decent job representing him but I think Mm -hmm. he'd had such a hard road to hoe breaking into publishing getting people to believe that he knew what he was talking about with these short little books, you know, for, for boys, they, you know, people said to him, don't, don't write for boys. Boys don't read. And he'd say, why don't boys read? And he went, well, there are no books for them. And he went, do you not <laughs> see how? <laughs> so I think he, he, he struggled a lot with, you know, different work relationships. And I think he, I think he felt, I think we understood each other in a, in a, in a way. Yeah. So Northwind has been has recently published and as a huge fan of Gary, I really struggled with when to start reading it because I didn't want it to be over. And that was like, I've never like looked forward to reading a book as much as that, but also I've never been so sad to know that a book was going to end. Um, so for the, those who haven't read it, what can you tell um, the listeners about Northwind 
um, and Gary, what, what you had, the conversations that you had with Gary about it, since he doesn't get to talk about it, which is so sad. You know, if there had to be a final book of his lifetime, I'm, I'm so pleased that it was this one because I think that it really was Gary Paulson at his best. I think mm-hmm. this is the book that people had been asking him to write for decades that he never did. Everybody was always like more survival lone boy in the wilderness. And he, he, he would always say, I, you know, I, I did that. I, I don't want to cannibalize my own work. I don't want to get repetitive. I, you know, I just, I just have new ideas. So it was a real surprise to me when he told me, and he had actually started writing this before COVID. He gave me, he told me in, in March of 2020, I'm working, I'm, it's crazy because I've been working on this book about, you know, a plague and now here we are. And I, you know, I, I didn't get it till that summer. Um, he, that's when he sent it in because we were working on gone to the woods and how to train your dad and, and then Northwind. Um, so I, I think that it was, again, if there had to be a swan song, he couldn't have, and I don't think he thought it was, I think mm-hmm. he was, we were talking about the next two books, yeah. um, in the fall, but you know, this, once again, he tapped into that magic of a lone boy finding his place in and his unique ability to communicate with nature. But I think, you know, is, is the hallmark of, of Gary's work. Yeah. So, and it was, uh, it was historical too. When he was telling me about it, I thought, man, I do not know what he is. (laughs) (laughs) Because he said, there's, there's a a piece in it. I want it to be set in ruins. And I went, the font that nobody can read. And he went, yes, exactly. (laughs) It needs to be set off. And I, I just, I, I really did not have very high hopes from all the things he was telling me. Cause I was like, I don't think people want to read about a plague right now. And this ancient ruin thing, I don't really get what you're talking about. And there was a, a place in the manuscript where I screamed so loud. I scared my dog. I, I just, I was like, oh, I don't believe you did this. This is, and I was, it was like a bad rom-com. I was about publishing, I was reading the manuscript and flinging the pages <laughs> me as I facing the living room. I just couldn't believe he'd done it. That he, he that he'd done it. Yeah, it was it re- beautiful. It really felt like a, a love letter to both the sea and to his readers. Yeah, it is. It is beautiful. Okay, so last question: um, What is one thing? that you want people to know about Gary Paulson that maybe they don't know? I I think they probably do know this, but I I think he believed in young people. He believed in their ability and he, he loved the adults who helped them, the teachers, the librarians, the parents, because he didn't have any help when he was a kid. Um, he, He talked about the librarian you know, who gave him his first book. And, and I didn't even know until I read Gone to the Woods that she not only gave him his first library card in his first book, but his first notebook and pencil. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had always held that part of the story back. Um, and in, in September, he was doing a, an appearance, um, a, a virtual appearance. And um, I logged on early and there, were, there was the classroom there. It was at Ole Miss. And then there were two very windswept women standing on a 
office outside of a building. And I called the woman who set it up and I went, am I in the right room? Because what is, who are these women? And she said, oh, we have the most wonderful surprise. Those women are in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. They are on the stairs of the library that Gary went in to get warm. Mm. And they have a story to tell him. So I quick called them and I said, there's a surprise, be ready for it. And they, so they did the introduction and they said, Gary, this is your library. These are the steps you walked up that cold night. This is the door you walked into. Here is the desk. And we did some research. Her name was Hazel Helgram. Mm. And he cried. <laughs> He'd never known the librarian's name, but I think he was always trying to thank her for what she did for him with the, the adoration and the gratitude that he always had for teachers and librarians. They, they just meant the world to him because he knew that they were helping kids and no one had, had helped him. Um, and I know he would want to say thank you. Um, he was so touched by your story. Uh, and he was so glad to have become your friend in the yeah. last year of his life. Well, thank you for, for taking the time um, and for being so just like so much of your job is to celebrate other others and to, you know, it's not about you, but it's about all these people and all these books and, and Gary and just what an amazing journey you two had and what an amazing life you've had. Oh my gosh. Like you pulled a little piece. You still, I still see those sometimes at like grocery stores. Like if you need someone to rake your leaves, grab this tab and you grabbed one of those tabs and look, look at what it's led to. Oh my gosh. Wild. It, it was it was the happiest of accidents. I would like I said I was uh, the I still ten year old Jennifer cannot believe she worked. I, it's still a thrill to open up a, you know a manuscript and and to get that first copy of the book. I still after all these years, it it just never gets old, and it, it is just such a it has been just the joy of my life to work with books and I don't just a fever dream mm. to have worked with Gary. Most everybody else I have loved and lost. I thought, Oh, I can't believe they're gone. And with Gary, I, I, I keep thinking, I can't believe he really was. A huge thank you to Jennifer Flannery for chatting with me about her career and her life and the great work that she did alongside Gary Paulson. Wow, what an amazing team. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Thank you to the Free Music Archive for providing additional music for this episode. Thank you to my friend Travis Yonker for helping me edit and produce this episode. Travis and I are presenting together at the Texas Librarian Association Conference in April of 2022. We are so excited to talk about the Caldecott Medal and doing mock Caldecott units with our children. If you were there, we hope we get a chance to see you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the great things you do for kids and books and readers. It makes this world a better place. My name is Colby Sharp. Thanks for tuning in.